Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The 329th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. And a flea flicker across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Happy portal season and happy <laughs> coaching carousel season to everybody. I, I don't know if that if those two words go together, but it, it will get interesting. And uh, it will get interesting for Buster Faulkner as we go. Yeah, friend of the show, Buster Faulkner, who uh, after a very impressive performance by that Georgia Tech offense against Georgia this past weekend for the Yellow Jackets, definitely will have his name in the mix for a couple of the jobs that we will be talking about here later today on our annual Black Monday coaching carousel episode. But we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city, a man who is more successful at running out of tunnels than Brent Venables. It's our own. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook. How's it going? I'm back on the mainland after uh, an epic week in Hawaii. It's good to be back. Uh, it's good to have you back, Josh. Uh, glad to have you here. Glad to have everyone tuning in as part of the Believe Network and MikeFarrellSports.com here on Illegal Motion. Before we hop into our coaching carousel and our preview of the conference title games, want to remind everyone tuning in that we are presented by BetOnline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at BetOnline. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v bet online where the game starts all right guys it's one of our favorite maybe it's a morbidly curiosity favorite (laughs) kind of show uh, of the year that we do here on black monday after coaches have been fired and hired and we're getting into the thick of coaching carousel season we've got 13 jobs we're gonna rundown today first one is going to be real quick though because we already touched on it last week where northwestern went ahead and took that interim tag off of david braun after uh they did it even before this you know th- these last couple of weeks but he finishes his first season at seven and five and josh i will say before the season you had this you had northwestern finishing way better than either coach or i expected to i'm assuming uh, that you are a fan of this move for the wildcats yeah i think just uh the weekly preparation of this team was better um at the end of the Fitz era the defense was all over the map and excuse me and the offense was dreadful every northwestern fan wanted the offensive coordinator fired well braun didn't have time to change any of the staff and the offense was still pretty bad but like not as epically bad as it was at the end of the Fitz run the team just looked prepared Every week, Uh, obviously, those players work their butts off for him. That's such a big part of, I think, the reason to hire him. Uh, I I think if they had played well going five and seven, they still probably would have kept him. Uh, Making the bowl to get to six wins, then beating Illinois to get to seven, guaranteeing a winning record was just icing on the cake. But, um, you know, with what... The program went through what Fitz is accused of having some semblance of normalcy and uh, and an easy transition is definitely what the program needed. Will it work out? Who knows? But signs were pretty encouraging this year. Yeah, signs were definitely encouraging this year for this Northwestern team. And while they took a hit, I think, in recruiting um, a little bit, 
um, in terms of guys that they had committed and, uh, you know, have flipped commitments since the departure of Pat Fitzgerald. I think they're going to be just fine. They're never a huge recruiting team. They've always been more of a development team. So I, I don't see it being a huge issue there. Now, Let's stick in the Big Ten, though, because uh, Michigan State, after uh, parting ways with Mel Tucker because he couldn't keep it in his pants uh, during the season, they uh, have gone to the polar opposite of Mel Tucker, which is Jonathan Smith of Oregon State. Now, they lured him away from his alma mater because they can't keep a conference in the same way that Tucker can't keep it in his pants. So uh, Jonathan Smith, though, uh, will be getting a nice pay increase in a, you know, a more prestigious conference, a Big Ten over the Pac-2 at this point. Yeah, so say, not, not an overly tough, tough decision on uh, on leaving Oregon State. I wish it wasn't Michigan State because they're just kind of a mess as a university. But, I mean, they found a gym in Jonathan Smith. I love this. Yeah, um, Coach, I was going to say, I think that he did an really outstanding job. Even if you look at his – if you someone just look at his record, oh, he's 34 and 35. You know, he <laughs> lost one – one less than 50 uh 50 percent of his games in the pac 12 but considering how bad they were after gary anderson and he had him uh, ranked in the top 10 at one point i know and it is a i think it's a coup for um uh for michigan state and i honestly i think it might be my favorite hire so far out of any of the ones that have happened yet coach but do you have anything in anything more there on Jonathan Smith? Do you think that's you know a good fit for Michigan State and for Smith? I think anywhere is a good fit for Jonathan Smith, man. I think he just what he brings to the table, uh, just with the overall program management and getting program, especially programs that have a lot of adversity. Like when he got to Oregon State, to say that thing was a mess is an understatement, and he pulled it together. I mean, it was a rough go for a minute there, but he pulled it together and put together a really good program that recruits well, plays well, plays clean, well-respected, got the fans back engaged, was able, they were able to do some renovations because of, uh, because of the the direction the program was going. So, I mean, this is, you know, I, I say all that stuff about Michigan state. This is just what they need. This is the, this might be the perfect hire to get them back up off the mat after, after the Mel Tucker experience. It's it's a coup for Michigan State. It's an F for Jonathan Smith. Um, you know, the, trying to think of a good analogy. This is like uh, like going all in with uh, a three of a kind. When if you'd wait another hand or two, he was going to get a full house because there's going to be some more jobs that come open. You know, we think it's quite possible that Lincoln Riley will bolt if he can get an NFL gig. There's still tons and tons and tons of smoke around Chip Kelly. So Jonathan Smith, if he he's had coming, waited, they said he's coming back for a seventh season. If Jonathan Smith had waited a little bit longer, he's from California. He knows the former Pac-12, but he knows that region of the country so much better. Michigan State, where is it in terms of a a Big Ten job right now with all that it went through? You know, Mel Tucker basically didn't recruit for two years. This is going to be one of the tougher rebuilds in the Power Five, and he has no connection to the area. He has no connection to the state. Um, Why? Why? Why would you leave your alma mater? Even, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but... You hang out at Oregon State for a year, you maybe have a Luke Fickle type moment where you run through whatever schedule Oregon State has next year. They go, you know, let's say they go 12 and 0, make the playoffs or something. This is insane. I mean, where where is Michigan State in the Big Ten? In the in the original, you know, not even adding the California schools and Washington, Oregon, out of the 14 jobs. Not as good as Michigan, not as good as Ohio State, not as good as Penn State. I don't think it's as good as Wisconsin due to the rebuild. Iowa, stable, great resources, wonderful opportunity at Iowa. So then what do we got? Well, Nebraska, you know, Nebraska is so hungry. Nebraska, you saw what they did, Matt Rule. Mm -hmm. 
So I think Minnesota's a better job. So Minnesota could easily be a better job. So we're talking the, the eighth best job. Maybe. And now you're, now you're going to add in Washington, Oregon, UCLA, USC. Now we're up to the 12th best job. 12, 12 coach, you're the SEC expert. This would be like if Jonathan, Jonathan Smith took the Vandy job. I wouldn't go that far. Probably, <laughs> it's more like South Carolina. I, feel, I would say it's more like South Carolina. I mean, this is, you know. Or Arkansas. Good for him. He's getting a bag. But, man, you, you talk about premature abagulation. That's, uh, hey, oh. Hey. Yeah, well. I, I don't know. I don't know if I was Jonathan Smith, if I, if I would have jumped on it quite as early. But I know Michigan State got a really good one. I know on, on their side of it, yeah. they're, they should be excited. Um, and I think he'll end up doing a good job there. And we'll probably look back on this and go, well, he is, we're going to, he's going to, we're going to be, he's going to be nicknamed the janitor because he just is a pro at cleaning up messes. Well, uh, he leaves a definite mess out there in Corvallis because they are conferenceless. They are really up in the air. Now, a couple of names have been bandied about uh, as people to possibly replace him. Uh, Brian Harson, I've heard, uh, former Wisconsin coach Paul Christ, who was on staff there for a while, who I don't think, who I personally don't think is honestly that motivated to become a head coach ever again because he hates recruiting. <laughs> like, who do you see taking this job? Because this is a, a misfit, Josh, right now. Yeah, I, you know, Jonathan Smith came in with, uh, with just high football IQ, but no head coaching experience. I think that's the, what Oregon State should look for. I think that's kind of the trajectory of some of the recent coaching successes we've seen is get the guy that has the high football IQ. These retread hires, Jimbo Fisher sucked, you know, like. I hear he's available. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the name off the top of my head, but if I'm – the athletic director, first of all, I am not hiring a multi-million dollar firm to spit out a name like Jimbo Fisher for me. Uh, those searching firms always completely suck. The The highlight of them has to be Colorado State reaching out to a firm that included talking to Urban Meyer and Urban Meyer got his boy, Steve Adazio to get that Colorado State job. It was a nightmare. Yeah. So first of all, you're the athletic director. You got to make the call. Second of all, what I'm going to be looking at are guys that have that reputation that, wow, they are a football mind. And even if they don't have head coaching experience, even if, you know, it's just coordinating experience or maybe it's FCS experience, I'm looking in that avenue. I'm looking for someone that's hungry because, yeah, this is going to be a weird job. We don't know what their schedule is going to be like next year. Uh, The courts haven't settled everything. I know right now there's the Pac-2. Um, sounds like they're working on an arrangement with the Mount West for some scheduling, but it's going to be truly, truly bizarre. So, um, you know, they need to have the right fit. I think getting a retread like Paul Chris or Brian Harrison, who basically rubs everyone the wrong way and steals your car, uh, <laughs> is not who I would hire. I, I heard someone put Nick Rolovich's name in there. I was like, what oh, are God. you talking about? No. no. Interesting name. Andy Ludwig. Uh, if it, who's done very well yeah, as the OC okay. at Utah, you know, probably not going to get it's a power five one. head job, but if he wants to make it's the next step as a head coach, a lot of West coast yeah. ties. And, you know, I bet he is someone who could, you know, probably do as well as, you know, as you could possibly expect in that, given all of the circumstances surrounding that. Well, Josh mentioned Jimbo Fisher. He is out at Texas A&M and they have brought in uh, Mike Elko, their former defensive coordinator who, uh, Corey, are, are you reeling him in? Like he's a fish. I don't know what we're doing out there. No, you, but... you know how A&M does the whoop, whoop, you know? Yep. The, oh yeah. Well, I, I, I try, I try not to really stay too much on that, weird. uh, <laughs> on, on that cult vibe they got going on there in college <laughs> station, but they did get a heck of a coach who, uh, turned Duke around in two years and it took two winning seasons, uh, which is really, really hard to do at Duke. Uh, we know he can coach. We know he's a decent recruiter from his time as a defensive coordinator, you know he's not getting the he's not getting Jimbo's bag. He's not getting that much money, uh, but he's still getting a nice little, uh, nice little nest egg for him and his future generations. And I I think it's a, I think it's a solid hire. I think scheme wise, football wise, it makes sense. 
but I don't know. Again, I don't know if he lasts three years there because I feel like Texas A&M fans want more than Mike Elko. I feel like, you know, after the whole Mark Stoops fiasco of them effectively hiring him, getting all the backlash and then being like, actually, we're not going to fire you. But him claiming he didn't want to him sort of taking the bullet fat saying, no, he didn't want to leave Kentucky when that was just a mess over the weekend. I feel like Elko is a better choice than Stoops, but I give it a, a B plus BB plus here on the higher. I just don't know what Texas A&M ceiling is with all of their larger structural issues and general impatience coach. So yeah, I, well, I don't, how do you feel? I, I don't like this for Elko. I mean, I love this yeah. for, for, for A&M. This is great. I, I think he's really, really good. Um, to me, I think Elko is just an earlier version of Mark Stoops. I mean, just think mm-hmm. about it. I mean, they both have done similar things at basketball schools. And I've, I think Mike, Mike Elko is in a situation to where he could have been extremely patient at Duke because Duke ain't going to fire him. That's for sure. He can. I mean, I, I think he's in a weak conference. He can only get better with time. He could have – if he could have waited, he could have had, you know, a, a bigger SEC job. And – you could you can sit there and say A and M's a big SEC job, but only in their minds, I think, because <laughs> I, I I don't see it. Like they they've underachieved every single year uh, with, with Jimbo Fisher. They have these unrealistic expectations, and it's they they give you all these resources. They just throw money at things, and I don't know what they I don't even know that they know what they're throwing money at it at sometimes. And it, it's it's a very weird culture fit. Uh, for anybody, it's a weird school, just a weird program. I, I, I mean, that, like I said, they got a great one at Elko. I think they would have done well with Stoops. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Mark Stoops. What he's done at Kentucky is in 11 years, in 11 seasons, is is awesome. Uh, is, what Elko's done in two, he was on that same trajectory. I think Mark Stoops may have dodged a bullet. I think Mark Stoops might can can wait for you know, something else to pop. Is Texas A&M the biggest little brother that's out there? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, look, th- this coaching search was a complete fiasco. And it uh, always, I think it's always something with A&M guys. I, I mean, it, it, I, it just is. I think athletic director Russ Bjork is he's a dick in time, mom. You know, they, they couldn't wait to drop him off at the airport fast enough in Oxford when he was old Mrs. AD, they couldn't stand him. And, you know, what did he do in this coaching search? You have, you fire the guy super early. And I, I said it on the show with Coach, Matt, you were out that one. I think that's when you're traveling to Madison. I, I told Coach, I was like, this got a weird timing. Like, they must have already had a plan. And I thought for sure the plan was Urban Meyer. Because AM's track record has been the huge mega name coach dating back to like when they pulled, you know, Francione from Alabama, which at the time was a big deal because he had just gone like 10 and one at Alabama. Um, So I thought for sure they were hitting a home run. And then we started to get all this smoke about like Jed Fish. And the rumor is the board of directors approved this offer for Jed Fish and Bjork went and gave that exact same offer to Stoops. And when Stoops' name hit social media, everyone went insane. And then and then once they hire, they finally make it official. Okay, they got they got Mike Elko. Bjork then comes out and goes, Well, he's not gonna have the same budget for the for the assistant coaching pool that Jimbo had. Why is the athletic director saying this stuff? Why is he he's asked about this in a press conference? Why is he saying this? This guy is just a walking disaster. I think he's done before Elko's done. I don't I don't know how Bjork survives this unless Elko in that first season has like a 10-win debut. Which he's good. It's possible. His teams yeah. play I mean, his Duke teams played <clears throat> outstanding. Even yeah. even when they lost Riley Leonard, they still, I mean. Yeah. You know, they didn't have much firepower at all, but they still played yeah. really, really hard, really competitively. 
Well, let's talk about that Duke team because Duke. Uh, I don't know where they go from here. This is this is going to be a, this is going to be a weird one. You could tell me a bunch of different names, and nothing would like super nothing would, like really really surprise me. But th- this is a, a, most of a shot in the dark. Uh, I, I want a name from each of you you would like to see in this job. Uh, I'll give you a weird name, uh, Jason Garrett. Why? Why? Like, why would he? Why would he come back to? Why would he go to? When was the last time he was even in college? I I'm not real sure. I don't uh, know if he's ever coached in college. Is it just because he went to Princeton? He's supposedly smart, even though he's really like. If you watched him call Monday or whatever it was, like Sunday night football this week, yeah, uh, it was like one of the hardest things you've ever like put on your earbuds. It, it's 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 so weird when his name comes up. I'm like, why? Why? He is a good agent. That's why he is a good he's agent. A great agent. But no, a serious name. Well, I mean, Jason Garrett's name has actually been printed in some of these articles. But, good grief. Uh, Kurt Signetti from James James Madison, I think, would be, I think, would be a great a, a great fit for Duke. I don't know if he'd leave James Madison, but I think he'd be a great fit for Duke. Josh, I'm throw a name out there that I don't think Coach is going to like, but they got Mike Elko, SEC defensive coordinator. Uh, you're going to go Glenn Schumann? I'm going to go Glenn Schumann. He's young, 33. He interviewed for an Eagles job. So we know he's not necessarily in it for life. He's not necessarily going to be Kirby's yeah, uh, coach in waiting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we got, I, I'm hoping we win the natty this year, get yeah. three in a row and then all hell can yeah. break loose, I guess. But, but I mean, you know, El- Elko's yeah. not, Elko's not 33, but it's, yeah, I, I'd be happy it's an echo. It's an echo. I'd be happy for Glenn Schumann if he, if he pulled the Duke job. Yeah, I think it would be. I thought you were going to go with. I thought you were going to go with Mike Bobo. I thought. I thought you were going to go. I think. I think think he's done as a head coach. Yeah, Yeah, he's done as a head coach. I don't think he wants. Bobo's Colorado State teams need to be a little bit better. They. That's true. That's very true. They weren't a polished product, and I don't think he was a good enough recruiter to, to. I don't know if uh, it, if Kirby now has the uh, the the coach reclamation project school like the JUCO version he's, of what Saban does with he, coaches. He, he, I think he's going to start doing that. It feels like it. it it's uh, he, he's claimed. I think he claimed uh, Tommy Streeter from uh, from Clemson. Uh, mm. He got fired. So okay. Um, a name I'm I'm seeing. I don't think he'll leave. I think he'll wait for a bigger job. But is Jamie Chadwell. Yeah, Jamie Chadwell. Jamie Chadwell is going to be mentioned everywhere uh, yeah. for because he's a heck of a coach, and I don't think he has any real ties to Liberty. Uh, and he's got them at twelve and zero in the regular season this year. Uh, let's talk about the one other job that has been filled so far. That is Mississippi State. Uh, got rid of Zach Arnett not even a year into his tenure. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's face it, that team was god awful. He shouldn't have been the coach in the first place. They've yeah. hired Jeff Levy from Oklahoma, the OC there. This is my lowest grade. This is like a C minus to me. I don't. This is a little brother. We thought we're thinking we're sticking it to Ole Miss by hiring Jeff Levy. Move. You're not though. That's the thing. I know. But I, it's the weird. Like you want to talk about weird little brother syndrome? It's Mississippi State. Yeah, because like because he was their former OC like two years ago. Like is is that like they're gonna get mad about that? Like they've got Lane Kiffin, who is a better yeah, coach. Than I, Jeff I don't Levy. see why Ole Miss fans would care about that. But they have some weird thing where like. They they want to stick it to Ole Miss more than they just want to be good. I thought this was a panic hire. I thought they could have done a lot better. Josh? Yeah, I'm I'm giving it an F. And here's the reason why. So um, he's winning the natty next year. Okay. All right. So he, yeah. here's the reason why I'm giving it an F. Lebby is completely tainted with the Baylor stuff yeah, and is an Art Bryles defender. And okay, fine. That that's his father-in-law. So, you know, maybe a little bit of family loyalty, but he was on the Baylor staff when the scandal took place. Um, he was, uh, he was named by a student as one of the coaches who took no action against a player that uh, physically assaulted them. So, you know, and he's shown literally no remorse about it and continues to support Art Bryles and would meet up with Art Bryles on the field. I think he'd be a good fit at Liberty. And then he, you know, then he ran a really good offense at UCF. Well, did he run the offense or did head coach 
Josh Heupel run the offense? Then he ran a good offense at Ole Miss. Well, did he run the offense or did Lane Kiffin run the offense? At his first real crack at being an offensive coordinator with a non-offensive coach was at Oklahoma under Brent Venables. And the Sooners fans wanted him fired. And when Mississippi State made this announcement, they all got down their hands and knees and praised Jesus because they are going to drive him to the airport. Well, they already did. Faster than you can ever guess. This guy was persona non grata and Norman. And it's a pretty big red flag that when you hire someone and the school you're leaving rejoices like they've just been liberated by the Nazis, it's not a good sign for you. By the Nazis? <laughs> It's liberated from the Nazis, I said. Oh. Well, roll back the tape. Man, might not have to edit that one. But no, <laughs> this, this is Re- redo that one. <laughs> I mean, this, this is the uh, this is the basically what Cincy experienced when they hired Scott Satterfield, where mm-hmm. everyone in Louisville was like, "Oh, thank God!" So we got to have the Scott Satterfield rule. If the school you're leaving is celebrating like it's Christmas Eve. Oh God! You want to hear? It, it gets it gets more. There, weird you can too. use that re-edit right there, Matt. Or just leave it all in, and our fans will enjoy. I the, think uh, I think this is all getting left in. <laughs> yeah. So Mississippi State on the Mississippi State side of things, the fans gave new athletic director Zach Selman the shoulder ride, where they lift <laughs> him up on the shoulders and like they hoist him, and they're like, "Hey, you know." They carried him. To, they carried him pretty much off the plane on their shoulders. Like they were so excited. I, hmm. this, this, this is, this is baffling. It's strange. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, all right, we need to keep moving on. Uh, let's talk about the three power five jobs that are currently available. Syracuse, Indiana, and Houston. Uh, early reports said Dan Mullen was going to Syracuse. That is uh, not true. Apparently uh, Dan Mullen has come out and said, I am not going to Syracuse. So uh, the search for Dino's replacement uh, comes, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it still is on. And Jim Brown and Ernie Davis are not walking through that door for the orange. Donovan McNabb, not walking through that door, uh, you know. And so I, you know, it's Syracuse tough place to recruit to. Uh, Indiana, the Big Ten. Dan Mullen, Mullen, world-renowned recruiting athletic coach going to Syracuse made no sense. Yeah, so uh, Syracuse, Indiana, Houston. Houston got rid of Holgo for his general disregard for just sane coaching decisions. And Indiana got rid of... Tom Allen because descriptions are great. I don't know. Like, can they even do better than Tom Allen? Yes. Yeah, I guess. But out of these three jobs, which is the best one, Josh, which is the worst one. And who do you guys like in these, you know, filling these slots? Okay. Well, the best one is Houston because they are going to throw a bag at somebody because they do not want to become bottom feeders in the big 12. They did not join the big 12 to become Nebraska of the big 12. So that's probably going to be the best job. Uh, I do want to throw a name out for you. And uh, this comes from, uh, well, fire investigator one thirteen over on, uh, over on our, the CFB subreddit. Oh. Um, they uh, well, they were doing doing something interesting. They, were they investigating uh, arson? No, they were investigating some uh, some interesting flights in oh. and out of Bloomington. Oh. Mm. Uh, a private flight uh, arrived in Bloomington from Dallas, mm. which which might have had Mark Cuban on. And the the idea is that Mark Cuban is going to be kind of responsible for that huge buyout for Tom Allen. A private flight also arrived in Bloomington from Boca Raton a few hours later. Okay. And, well, if you want to connect these weird dots that this subredditor did, or this Reddit user Howard did. Howard Schnellenberger. Is, well, I think he's dead. Uh, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like a weekend of no, no, Tom Herman. Tom Herman. Oh, 
Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, Currently at FAU. Uh, you mentioned Gary Patterson. I've heard him connected to the Houston job. Yeah, yeah. that would be pretty funny. Um, Cliff Kingsbury is somebody who's... No. Does, Dre- does Jeff Trailer have a chance at this? Apparently, uh, what I've been reading is that UTSA is trying to work trying to move heaven and earth to keep him locked up, but he's going to be a hot commodity, man. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, think I personally think Jeff trailer would have been the home run hire for Texas A&M. The thing about yeah, trailer that I've been state guard, the scuttlebutt that I've heard about trailer is he's, he's an old school coach in that yeah. he works those players. And really has no patience mm-hmm. for shenanigans and some of the NIL stuff. And there was a, a cohort of the AM booster community that were like, mm, if we bring him on, all those five-star recruits are piecing out. Um, so who knows, who knows if that scuttlebutt is. Uh, I did want to read you guys uh, a wonderful, wonderful quote. Uh, th- this came from uh, – when- was this quote yeah this quote was before the season started uh dana holgerson gave this quote in the uh in the spring he was asked about his hot seat and uh this is what he told the athletic and uh i'll um i'll just i'll clean it up matt so you don't have to edit it but there is some swearing so he was asked about this and he said we won 20 games in two years we won bowl games in back-to-back years. I have five years on my contract with a effing impossible buyout. So there ain't no effing hot seat in my mind. There just ain't. Uh, he didn't survive. You're right. There isn't, there isn't one because he's off the seat now. Because he ain't got I, I it. Think he never got hot. I think he just exploded from out from under him. Yeah. I don't think he is a head coach again. I think he'll be a can't be. He can't offensive be. coordinator. He hated he hated recruiting. He went to the Dan Mullen School of Recruiting. Yeah, and you, you, you can't yeah. succeed in 2024 <laughs> now in college football if you're not going to recruit. Um, and if okay. I'm Syracuse, I'll tell you who I'm hiring if I'm Syracuse. They had the right idea with Nino Babers getting an offensive mind back when they did it about 35 years ago when they hired him. Uh, Dome Stadium, use it to your advantage. You know, every home game is going to have perfect weather. Get a crazy air raid system. And yep. just do something very different than the rest of the ACC. Yeah. So, who's that person? Oh, I mean, there's there's a lot out there that, you know. I know, who, back- I know who I want to see. I, I know who I want to see. And I want to see Sean Lewis. Yeah. Uh, was what, was the OC there? there? Wide open offense. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Riley. Um, I, I think the uh, – I know. <laughs> no, uh, the uh, Western Kentucky. Jason Candle. Jason Candle, I think, is a good candidate for Indiana. Personally. Yeah, Can- Candle's a good candidate for Indiana. Indiana's uh, also apparently had Jim Leonard in for talks as well. Oh, I like that. Um, that would be interesting for them. All right, let's go to some group of five. Boise State is in the Mountain West title game, yet uh, doesn't have a head coach because uh, they f- fired Andy Avalos after going 22 and 14. They needed to. Yeah, he was. You want to talk about persona non grata? You talk about Levy in Oklahoma. I think Avalos at the same time in Boise was the same way. San Diego State there. He, he didn't uh, know and, how to game plan. You, you just look at their some of their decision making, their game planning. Just you know, good recruiter, love the school and everything. But hey, for for you know, Syracuse, what about what about Bobby Chesney from Holy Cross? That's a hmm. name that I'm seeing. Holy Cross is, has been great um, the last couple of seasons. He's completely revitalized that program. That is not the worst uh, idea I've heard in a while. Um, what about what about Jim Moore Jr. Pulling him from over from <laughs> UConn? He's done uh, gotten them, you know, better than where they were. Yeah, Chesney's picking up steam, and it's not Kenny. Yeah. Oh, damn. Well, I, I, it's I'm, hard to go barefoot in the Syracuse winter. I'm curious. So, Boise, Boise interim coach Spencer Danielson uh, was their def- defensive coordinator the last few years. The defense was still good. Um, he, you know, got them undefeated under his watch. If they win the conference, win their bowl game, 
do you just say mm, ease of transition? You know, we we've had success promoting from within. Maybe maybe we just picked the wrong assistant with Andy Avalos. Is is four or five games enough of a sample size to pull the interim tag? I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, if they rally around this guy, they win for him. Yeah. You worry, you worry about the what I love to call the Bill Stewart effect when yeah. West Virginia hired Bill Stewart after Rich Rod left, and that was true. like the worst decision that they could. But have That ever was just one. Made. That was one bowl game. That was true. That was true. But um, still, I, I'm curious. Larry Coker messed Chris, that up. Chris Peterson, does he want to come back? I don't think he wants to come back. I think he's done. No. I've There's heard no way he comes back for Boise State. Yeah, I've heard rumors that. Bronco Mendenhall is loving his retirement out in Montana, but also is not opposed to a coaching job that is near his. I, I heard his name mentioned with Oregon Montana? State as well. Yeah. Bronco Mendenhall, that That'd is. Good. That's interesting. I think there are a couple interesting names there. San Diego State in the same Gary conference. Danielson has is, uh, interviewed I, for the. I, I mean, he's seen a lot of football. That's for darn sure. But uh, uh, San Diego Danielson State in the same in the same <laughs> conference, uh, Brady Hoke riding off into the sunset. Uh, tip of the cap to Coach Hoke. Uh, enjoy your retirement, sir. Uh, where do the Aztecs go from here? I mean, they are, uh, you know, they were a school that almost got into the Pac-12. Next realignment, they are going to be a choice contender because they are in a massive media market. Yep. Um, there's no reason why they can't be you know, be a, a big power conference school. It had success. Um, so, yeah. So I, I think that, I think this is a very, very, very attractive job for a lot of coaches out there. The Mac coaches looking for that next step up. We've already mentioned a few, the coordinator looking for that step up. Um, what I would definitely avoid if I'm San Diego state is the retread. Cause they did that with Brady Hoke and it worked Back in 2021, off the but list. it went pretty downhill. So um, I'm reading Tony White for for that uh, Nebraska defensive coordinator. They interviewed him. Uh, got Washington, great defense. Washington OC Ryan Grubb. UNLV. Ryan Grubb is Ryan Grubb would be a phenomenal hire. Brendan Ryan Marion from be... UNLV, who's also rumored to be <clears throat> in in line for the Arkansas OC job too. Brendan Marion mm-hmm. also, um, I've seen his name thrown around for the UTEP job as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, I, that's where I think Marion ends up is UTEP. So, yeah, let's talk mm-hmm. UTEP. Um, UTEP, Dana Dimmel out. Brendan Marion would be a good would be a good call there. It's really tough, though, to win in El Paso, Josh. Um, you know, I, you I mean, I would just I would just merge merge the school with their arch rival a couple miles away. New Mexico State will just call it. UTEP and MSU and let Jerry Kill coach both programs. Problem solved right there. Uh, I, I, I thought you were going to say their, uh, their, their, their rival school, the uh, Universidad de Ciudad Juarez. Um, and those two teams hate each there. other, by the way. New Mexico State and, and UTEP. That's so insulting. That'd be like if I said, hey, let's just merge Georgia and Georgia Tech. Like, yeah. that was, both yeah. those fan bases are just cringing, being like, oh, I don't want to be obsessed with them. But yeah, tough. Tough job. Um, Jimbo Fisher. You know, <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, this is the type of job where you got to really get a good recruiter, someone that's going to be personable and, and win those, win those rooms because I, I think Marion would be, a, would be a home run. Yeah, Scotty no. Walden from Austin P would be good. I think yeah. Zach, I think Lee from Texas tech would be good. Mm, that's the, the good, name. That, you that's just, the name I'm the, hearing. Yeah. The name you just said with the, uh, the governor's, I think that's, that's MTSU's first call. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason Eck at Idaho. Mm. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's finish it out. MTSU let go of Rick, Rick Stock still um, after, what, 18, 18? years. There's, uh, a, there's a certain offensive coordinator, Georgia Tech, that was that was at was in Murfreesboro for four seasons. Yeah. Had wins over Miami and Georgia Tech. Yeah, uh, Buster Faulkner definitely mm-hmm. going to be on the short list for uh, for that job. The current stay, Georgia Tech stay, uh, stay tuned for that coordinator. Um, uh, which, Scotty Walden's got to be a candidate. I was going to say uh, the uh, 
the illegal motion podcast official endorsement for that job is Buster Faulkner. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I, we, we will say that much uh, not go too much further from that. Um, MTSU though, I think MTSU is a job you can win at. I think MTSU is a job where you have enough local talent that will get overlooked by, you know, t- Tennessee, Alabama, sort of the SEC schools in the area that you'll still be able to field a very competitive team. Um, they have some history of winning. There is, you know, enough resources, I feel like, in Murfreesboro to have a competitive team year in and year out in the conference. And, you know, as far as the like group of five jobs go, the you know, it's it's definitely in the upper half of group of five jobs, you know, maybe in the upper quarter of group of five jobs in terms of the just the ability to potentially win, have the backing of the institution, having the players. And so I think that this is going to be a coveted job. And I'd like to see Buster Faulkner get it, but I think that there's a lot of very uh, you know, very good young I think this is a place that because they've had an old man voice there for so long it's they're ripe for a a young voice to come in and sort of kickstart a new era so i'm I'm curious to see which direction they go yeah that's that's why i don't i don't think glenn ellerby's in there josh ergel because they they want to go young so i think buster faulkner or scotty walden are the uh are the names jerry mack is somebody um that you that you need to keep an eye on he's tennessee's running backs coach He's just 43 years old as well. He's been at Delta State, Jackson State, Central Arkansas, Arkansas Pine Bluff. I think he has he's been he's been around the block. Um, but uh that's that's a dark horse, but I think it's gonna come down to Walden, Scotty Scotty Walden and uh Buster Faulkner. All right. Um yeah, I mean well, the the other thing about Middle Tennessee, I mean, they're obviously very patient. They gave him 18 years. But also, if they he's hit a home run higher, yeah, well, yeah. one thirteen and one eleven, and won a conference in like fourteen years. But well, he, I, I don't know. Yeah, they're they're extremely patient. But he he's done a lot of great things for that university. But I was I was going to say, you know, <laughs> you've always got that bigger job, Memphis and Vandy, right in your own state, where those jobs could open up. So if you do well, uh, we would be remiss without saying though that. Um, back in 2021, Stottsdale did get Metal Tennessee State to our personal favorite bowl game, the Bahamas Bowl. We will always go to bah- the Bahamas Bowl and cover it uh, whenever their sponsor, Famous Toastery, wants to have us. We love the Bahamas Bowl. We don't want to necessarily do it this year because the stadium in the Bahamas is being remodeled and the Bahamas Bowl will actually be played in Charlotte, North Carolina <laughs> this year. But we are very excited in 2024 to go back to the Bahamas Bowl. And if you want to send us Famous Toastery to the Bahamas Bowl to do a live podcast at the Bahamas Bowl, we will gladly take that on. We have no problem going to Nassau in the middle of December. The goal is the 2024 Bahamas Bowl. Here we come. Illegal motion takeover. (laughs) Believe slash Mike Farrell Sports takeover. If that happens, we do it all with our shirts off. (laughs) Yeah, uh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? On the beach. Yes. I'm still wearing a hat, though. I'm still wearing a hat. Um, Louisiana Monroe let go of Terry Bowden after three, three and what, three and a half, four years. Not just, it was bad. It's just bad. The team has just been bad. Like, they are just a bad football team. Uh, Three years, 10 wins in three years. Just, it's it's not good. It's not good. Monroe is not an easy place to win at either. Um, Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're gonna switch. We're gonna skip over NAIA Powerhouse Southwest Assemblies of God University. Uh, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to. They fired Greg Ellis after this. You know, this is scoop season when I throw some ridiculous schools out there. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, this is might be the most ridiculous school name that I've ever heard. But uh, what's his name? Farted in a church pew. So they. Well, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Uh, Loudly. If, if you're looking for a job, uh, you might want to go down to Dallas and uh, check in at the, what was it? Northwest Assemblies of God, something like that. Southwest Assemblies. Southwest Assemblies of God, <laughs> Northwest Southwest. They're assembling for God and playing football in a lot of places in America. So yes, not sir. super surprised about that. We'll have more coaching carousel coverage uh, 
next time uh, as some hires keep happening. For now, uh, quickly though, gents, we've only got a couple minutes here left. Uh, Want to talk about some uh, some title games this weekend? Uh, kicking it off uh, in Atlanta. Oh, you mean all of them? We're going to run through all of them real quick. Some of them we don't have much to say about. Yeah, some of them want to say Bama, Georgia. There's a lot to say, but at the end of the day, coach, uh, it really comes down to the fact that a like Bama is lucky to still be in uh, playoff discussions because they should have lost to Auburn, but didn't uh, Georgia slept walk through at least half of that game versus Georgia Tech. But let's just um, say all of it like much, it, much it, like it. an anaconda. They're still just going to strangle you with their defense coach. To me, this game uh, really just comes down to uh seeing if because uh, I, I think that Georgia's offense actually is the one that, you know I'm not worried about. I'm a little bit more worried about what are they going to do with Jalen Monroe, who's been getting better and better every week as a passer and a smarter runner, even if he is running over the line than running back behind the line of scrimmage to try to throw again and get a five-yard penalty for doing so. Nonetheless, how do you see this game? Well, obviously, full preview on Believe in Dogs, where you need to be later this week with Corey and Israel Troop. But give us the Reader's Digest version. The Reader's Digest version. Uh, Georgia, 214. Bama, negative two. No. Um, I know the, the whole Milrow thing the, thing, the thing that concerns me about him is the fact that we don't have a whole lot of experience at the at the inside linebacker position right now due to injury. Jamon Dumas Johnson is still out. Not sure if he's going to be back. Don't think he's going to be back. Be a hell of a recovery if he was. Uh, Smell Munden, CJ Allen, and Raylan Wilson are, are left to, to pick up the pieces there. Uh, they had a really tough go last week against Georgia Tech. Uh, Buster Faulkner really did a good job of picking on those guys um, and using the quarterback run game to do so. Uh, they had a lot of good, really well-designed runs for Haynes King. Uh, look for that for Bamo and Jalen Milrow. Uh, I think – I don't think they're going to do much on the perimeter. I, I think our secondary is going to be too tough of a matchup for them. Kamari Lassiter, uh, Javon Bullard, Ma- uh, Malachi Starks, uh, just to name a few that are going to present problems for Jalen Milrow in the passing game. He may th- – if we can force him to make a few – uh, bad throws, errant throws into the hands of one of those three guys or any guy back there really, but just one of those three guys will probably be more likely to get one. Um, I think this could really open some things up for Georgia and really m- might make this thing lopsided a little bit. Uh, defensive line, um, Stackhouse is obviously the guy. Uh, Warren Brinson coming back into the lineup is also some positive news for Georgia, but they still lack big time star power. They're going to have to have a great game collectively, which when Georgia's defense is playing well, their defensive line is playing well collectively as a group. One guy has a bad game, the whole thing's thrown off. So if the front seven can kind of get on the same page with the run game, the, 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 the back guys can do uh, what they do best. And uh, this will be another cruise for, for Georgia, but uh, that a lot of whole a lot of things are going to have to happen defensively to to be able to do that. On uh, the Big Ten, Josh, uh, we've well, got. I, I just want to say one thing with the uh, Georgia Alabama game. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this is like a theme that's going to happen throughout Derby's career, but for this season specifically, Georgia really played down to the unranked competition they faced, but then just molly whopped every ranked team they have. So having that little number next to Alabama's name is probably the best thing that could have happened for yeah. Georgia's preparation. It's it's a maturity thing, Josh. Honestly, it, it's you know when when you have young, inexperienced, immature teams, that kind of thing happens. Yeah. So let's then move to uh, the Big Ten, uh, Josh. We've got my personal Big Ten Coach of the Year, Kirk Ferentz. Yes, he's getting my vote for Coach of the Year because if you win ten games. <laughs> while scoring 220 points or something like that like 218 i think 218 in the question are you giving are you giving the broils to uh oh phil park if phil parker doesn't win the broils award like that that is an absolute travesty it'll be because mike bobo won it no that's like that phil parker deserves every award going on his uh mantle but josh the question is can they do something to slow down Michigan, even if they don't have the signs? Well, you, you hate to say that 
there's an injury that helped Iowa, but there was, you know, Michigan lost a huge piece of their offensive line there with Zinter's injury. Um, you know, if they can, they could get some pass rush, if they could get some, you know, slow down that running game. The The thing for Iowa is against Nebraska first half, they had four trips inside the red zone. They scored one touchdown, made one field goal and had two field goals blocked. If they stumble into a drive, if they have a punt return, if they have a muff punt, a turnover, something like that, that gives them a short field. They have got to actually score. And even if it's just field goals, like they got to score. Um, the other thing that could happen is, I mean, this is this is an Iowa fan grasping at straws, but back in 2017, Ohio State gave to Iowa City. And for whatever reason, Ohio State pretended like they had never seen the tight end position before. And Noah Fant and Hawkinson went off. And Iowa beat them 55-24 because they basically kept calling the same play over and over and over again, which was have a tight end run right down the seam. If Brian Ferentz falls ass backwards into a play that works, <laughs> I don't know what that play would be. Uh, and he just keeps running it over. <laughs> just keeps running it over and over and over again. You know, maybe we do something. Uh, the fact of the matter is Michigan's defense is every bit as elite as Iowa's, but they have a competent offense. They are the healthier of the two teams. Iowa's down QB one, tight end one, tight end two. We have not gotten to have our best defense alignment all season because of the stupid gambling thing. And our best all-around player, Cooper Jean, broke his leg as they were trying in practice, as they were trying to get him touches on the offensive side of the ball. He got hurt doing an offensive play in practice and broke his leg. So Iowa is the less talented team, the you know incompetently offensive coached team, and the least healthy team. You know, this is one of those games that you play it a hundred times, Iowa probably loses 99 out of the hundred, maybe our universe, this is the one in the multiverse where we will win and we'll get to see some pandemonium, but uh, I'm not expecting, I just hope we, as an Iowa fan, I hope we avoid, uh, you know, what we did against Penn state earlier this year, which was a 31, nothing shot out. You know, I would be ecstatic if we lost the game 21, <laughs> seven. I, you know, honestly, <clears throat> honestly, Josh, like I, I think as weird as it sounds like, most people are like, yeah, Michigan's not going to have any trouble with Iowa, but I, I think there's a lot of things that Iowa does defensively that's going to give Michigan yeah. problems. Like, I don't, I don't know that Blake Corum can go off rushing like he has against other teams. I, I think you're going to see a game that even if they pull away late because of depth and like the fact that Iowa's yeah. offense can't get anything going ever uh, would be the difference in this, but. <laughs> I, I think that you're going to see a game that looks a lot like that Maryland game that Michigan well, played. That's what happened a few years ago is Iowa actually held up really well in the first half. Middle of the third quarter, Michigan had run about 30 more plays than Iowa, and, and we just were gassed. And, and, but, you know, say lobby, it happens. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just Our, glad that for the rest of time, Iowa in perpetuity is the Big Ten West defending champion. I mean, they, you know what? They deserve it. They, and, and that's all I'm going to say. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas is the pretty decent favorite here, I would say, in this one, Coach. And, you know, Oklahoma Oklahoma State's a weird, weird team this year. But, you know, they, they won Bedlam. They, and they, they're they in, uh, you know, any chance that the Pokes knock off the Longhorns. I mean, as weird as this team is and as weird as this season has been for them, yes, there is a chance that they knock off Texas, but I just don't see it. I, I think Texas I, Texas sees they have the college football playoff in their sights. They want to give themselves the best chance. I, I, I think it's going to be Texas big, personally. Um, I, I just, for a lot of reasons, um, yeah. most of them being that Oklahoma State can't seem to put two good games back-to-back um also uh, this just I mean, came across the wire as we're reporting coach or mm-hmm. reporting or recording uh syracuse zeroing in on fran brown georgia oh. defensive backs coach as their next head coach former georgia defensive back yeah former georgia defensive backs coach fran brown yeah well so here's the thing with the you know texas Oklahoma state game washington or oregon 
they got to be in. That seems like a lock. The winner of that game's in. Yeah, winner of that yeah. game's in. I'll assume Michigan. Yes. Georgia, if they win. Yes. Yeah. And then Florida State or Texas. And it, it's going to come down to it's going to come down to style points with yeah. Texas and Florida State. Like if Texas beats the holy hell out of yeah. Oklahoma State, if they beat the Southwest but, Ministries of God out of yeah. Oklahoma State, um, I, I think they're going to go um, over yeah. Florida State. Florida State's got to do the same. Yeah. Um, undefeated champion, you know, it, you can't, Florida State has to you get in. You can't, you can't do that. And yeah, Florida they, State they do, but like, are, are they going to, are they going to, are they going to beat Louisville? Yeah. So that's the left? thing. So th- this opens up the can of worms. Let's say, yeah, you know, Florida Louisville. State lost their quarterback. Let's say Louisville pulls off the upset. Then you have. Is it even the, upset or are they, even, are they? I think they might be favored in this game. I, I haven't looked at the line. Yeah. They actually might be favored. Uh, but then no, you Florida, have, Florida State, two and a half point favorite. But then you have the argument of Texas versus Bama. And, you know, yeah, we know the head to head result, but that was months ago. So there's a possibility that SEC I, bias, which is real, if Alabama only loses by like a field goal. And it, everyone's like, oh, wow, you know, 28, 27, this was the best two, game. They don't get in with two losses. No, you can't. You, they, they don't get in with two losses ahead of a Texas team that beat them in their house. They don't get in with two because losses. Because as it stands right now, according Bama has to, to win. Per the committee, the committee's even said this, They Texas's win at, um, at Bama. Te- is the most impressive win for any team this season. Yeah. And so... It's, wow, they haven't looked hard enough at that Iowa in Ames win. <laughs> hey, listen, Farmageddon <laughs> this year did not disappoint. Farmageddon, yeah. uh, I, I think Iowa State scored 42 points and ran zero plays in Kansas State's yeah. red zone. That's all you need. They ran 35 total plays. Yeah, that was and scored 42 points. That was, was a lot insane, of fun. insane, dude. Um, but I, I think we all think Texas is going to win that one um, yeah. Against, yeah. Like, <laughs> against Oklahoma State. <laughs> Which reads... Classic Gundy, when we expect him to do well, he disappoints. And when we've written him off, the mullet will do something. Yes, he will. Um, Let's just talk about the ACC game then quick, because we already mentioned it. Louisville, Florida State. Uh, Florida State did not look great. They beat Florida, but, you know, Tate Rodemaker is not Jordan Travis. And Louisville. Tough ask in the swamp night rivalry game. Louisville blew a game to Kentucky that they absolutely should have won, um, but decided to stop playing defense in the second half. And that was that 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 wasn't a a, a great watch. So, I you know Florida State's still the nominal favorite here, but I I, I kind of think that Louisville has all the chance in the world to win this. Yeah, I mean, see, here's the thing about Jeff Brom that was. You know, tip of that cap to him. I'm so glad he's no longer at Purdue. But it felt like an Iowa fan that he always had our number. And I think that's because <clears throat> his offense, while it has certain set principles that you're going to get every game, he could tailor it for whoever he played. And that's why you saw great defenses at Iowa get burned by Purdue. You saw Ohio State struggle with Purdue's offense. Brom is going to have his set principles, but throw wrinkles in that Florida State is just not ready for. And, um, you know, if if Florida State's superior athleticism stops those plays from being, you know, two or three yard gains versus 20 yard gains, then you have to like Florida State's chances. But Brom is going to have that team so well coached. I mean, you even saw it last year. Even one, even though Purdue got completely manhandled by Michigan, they still put up like 17 points in that game, and uh-huh. they still moved the ball at times. So, uh-huh. the, you know, his style of play is just formidable no matter what. And thank God he's out of the Big Ten. I'm sick and tired of seeing him. 
<laughs> all right. Well, we have we are pretty much out of time, but we have five more group of five games. So we're yeah. going to try to knock all these out 30 seconds or less each uh, starting SMU and Tulane. SMU was not messing around last week. They put a 52 in the first oh, half man. against Navy uh, to secure their spot uh, to play Tulane in New Orleans. Tulane's a favorite here in this one, coach. But uh, personally, I am not counting out SMU in that offense. No, Rhett Lashley's done a tremendous job with that offense. Obviously, uh, they're just racking up the numbers. But Tulane is a, a tough team, tough physical team under Willie Fritz. And I look for this to be a really, really good game, honestly. And I'm I'm taking Tulane, actually. Yeah, it's uh, over under 52 and a half in this one, Josh. And I think I'm going over. I'm taking Tulane in the over. Well, they say defense wins championships. Uh, Tulane is bringing a really, really good defense with them. Um, you know, with all the faces back of Willie Fritz, I think we were kind of expecting Tulane to be an offensive power, basically doing what they did against USC every week this season. They haven't. They have a top 20 defense, giving up just 18 points per game. Defense wins championships. If Tulane's defense plays up to par, they'll win. Uh, under the under the radar, uh, maybe the best power uh, group of five game of the day is going to be Conference USA, New Mexico State and Liberty undefeated Liberty, uh, New Mexico State, uh, you know, coming in riding high, uh, you know, a week and a half after two weeks after, I should say, uh, beating up Auburn uh, at Auburn, Auburn, uh, I, almost by the transitive property, New Mexico State's better than uh, Alabama, uh, <laughs> you know back-to-back weeks in the same stadium they did much better against auburn than alabama did uh this game though is uh just just a fantastic massive uh, matchup josh on friday night um on unfortunately it's cbs sports network which i don't get um but new mexico state liberty and uh i mean josh what else is to say about jerry kill at this point yeah i mean he just phenomenal phenomenal coach he's got a chance to do basically something that new mexico state has never done um even just getting them to -to back-to-back bowl games is really rare they are keyed by their incredible quarterback diego pavia uh almost three thousand passing yards he should hit that mark because he's got this game in the bowl he's also got 800 rushing yards um this team Loves to run the ball. They average over 200 rushing yards per game, 12th best of the country. Their offense is okay, 28 points, uh, but their defense has been pretty solid at just 19 points per game. Uh, Liberty, similar story. Um, they love to run the ball. They are the number one rushing attack in the entire country at almost 300 yards per game. Quentin Cooley has 1200 rushing yards on the season they are sixth in points for they are 21.7 points against so new mexico state slightly better defense with two teams that love to run the ball obviously whoever is more effective at getting that ground game going will win yeah uh moving on to the mac uh to the killers by the way i mean we're all rooting for the killers come on none of us like liberty no absolutely not uh so in uh in the mac uh jason candles toledo rockets who again just eviscerating competition left and right finishing the year 11 and one taking on the red hawks miami of ohio a team that we all thought was going to be pretty good this season and they lived up to it uh they are anchored by a a truly stout defense uh should be one of the uh, I don't think this game is going to be a super high scoring matchup coach, but um, what I will say uh, that I've been really impressed with is Daquan Finn, who's the quarterback at Toledo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done, uh, he's grown a lot this year as a passer. He's become way, way more efficient. Uh, he's about seven percentage points higher this year than last year in completion percentage uh dropped his td the int radio uh it was up it was about two to one now it's three to one this year i've been really impressed with his growth this season um but you know there's a pretty good quarterback on the other side in um brett gabbert not blaine gabbert but brett gabbert uh he's been a little uh, nicked up this year but should be a pretty good quarterback battle there in the mat coach yeah it should be if, if you're an nfl uh scout you should should keep your eyes on this one there's some potential uh for some good quarterbacks in this in this matchup uh the max the term maction is going to live up to its name i'm really excited about this uh i'm gonna get i'm gonna get on the toledo bandwagon for this game yeah it feels like toledo josh you gotta lean yeah i mean brett gabbert you know got hurt in that toledo game he's out for the season hats off to miami for winning 
four straight games without him. Mm. Uh, but the, the the proof kind of is in their their passing attack has gone quite down uh, without him. They're 113th in passing now. They're pretty one dimensional. They're getting by with the eighth best defense in terms of points against. Um, but just Toledo's Toledo's a different animal. I mean, you, you change a couple things. Uh, in that Illinois game, and Toledo's twelve and zero, playing for the, the you know the group of five representative for the major bowl game. Yeah, and it, that would be that would be something. Candles, obviously, his name's come up with a bunch of jobs uh, around. Okay, two more games. Yeah. Fun Belt. Appalachian State versus Troy, uh, kind of what we thought it was going to be during the year. Troy took a dip in the middle of the year, but they've come back strong, finished the season out well. Appalachian State, they're always in it. Uh, Coach, I mean, I, I can see it going either way. Troy, I still feel like has a little bit more talent, but App State, uh, I just, I will never count App State out in you, you know any any game that they're in. Uh, to me, uh, yes, Troy is. Troy's a favorite. They have a better record, but this game is as much of a toss up as anyone this weekend. Yeah, this game is probably one of the tougher ones to predict because both teams are very, very equal in what they do. Uh, obviously, Troy's got the talent, but uh, App State's got the coaching. App State's got the just the gamer mentality, and they just come out and get it done. Physical team. Uh, I mean, does does everything well. Doesn't really beat themselves a lot, but. Yeah, I'm I'm with I am going to I'm going to stick on the App State train. Um I I've, I've kind of okay, always stuck on that train, so I'm going to go with it. Yeah, I'm I I like Troy here. Um I just I think Troy's a uh, has more athletes and has a better chance to uh, break off coach your favorite thing some chunk plays against Appalachian State so give me uh give me the Trojans here uh, and uh yeah. Well, two great quarterbacks in this game, Joey Aguilar for App State and uh, and Troy's Gunner Watson. What a great name for a quarterback. No slouch either. Uh, but there's a statistical anomaly in this. Troy's defense, 10th in the country, points against. Um, I, I think they just shut him down. Yeah. Not, yeah not, not a bad call there at all. Uh, Mountain West. Boise State without a uh, without a real head coach versus UNLV with uh, one hell of a real head coach in Barry Odom. Uh, Barry Odom should be on the shortlist for any national coach of the year. Uh, you know, with with what he's done in just one season there uh, out in the desert. Josh, I mean, this would be a dream season if the running Rebs were able to cap it off with the Mountain West title. Rebs by a mile. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly surprised that that. UNLV kind of stubbed their toe and made things interesting with San mm-hmm. Jose State uh, loss. Hats off to to San Jose State. It's an incredible run. Um, but UNLV, uh, a really, really solid offense. You know, rushing only 55th, or excuse me, passing only 55th, rushing only 26th, but very balanced. It works out to over 35 points per game, which is top 20 um, this is just a team you don't want to get in a shootout with because they have a, a whole bunch of different weapons to throw at you, including their amazing receiver, Ricky White, 1,300 receiving yards on the season. Um, go Rebs. They're our sentimental pick. Yeah, I, I think we're all rooting for the Rebs this week. And I can't believe it, but here we are. I think we're all rooting just for uh... – we're, we're, we're rooting for him. We're rooting for Barry Odom. We're rooting for the Reds. We're rooting for that program to get back on the right foot because they, they were down for a long time. They were down for a long, long time trying to be uh, the college version of Bishop Gorman just wasn't working. And uh, good for them to get in uh, to where they are. So we're going to wrap it up here uh, for the show. We'll be back again very soon with more coaching news, et cetera. Um, like always here, uh, keeping our coach, uh, our pulse Uh, on college football we'll have a bunch of bowl specials coming up and a whole lot more so we appreciate everyone tuning in um, to the illegal motion college football podcast on the believe network and mikeferrellsports.com until next time he is our offensive coordinator in the music city the coach Corey burton uh he is our intrepid blogger from big tech in counting josh cook up there in chicago illinois i'm matt perkins in the music city saying so long and see you next time on the illegal motion college football podcast go pack 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.